Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sports Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with We Are West Ham. And We Are West Ham, sole representative tonight, it is James Jones. But don't worry, what's a show we have for you? Because not only will we be looking back at those defeats against Man City in Liverpool, how unlucky were the Hammers last night? Two goals at Anfield took the lead 2-1. Liverpool not at their best. Maybe a sign of what's to come for West Ham because we all know all eyes on the weekend. It is the Southampton in town and West Ham need those points. And of course, even though Will Pugh is not here tonight, once again, missing in action, you are uh, correct in that thinking. We will be playing the West Ham mystery players quiz, the rogue players quiz. That will come at the end of the show. And for the Southampton preview, legend Jason Dodd will be joining us James, we have to get into it. Let's let's look back at Man City first, <laughs> not Liverpool. Uh, I know it's, it feels like a, a reoccurring, I was going to say, theme, but dream, but maybe nightmare at the minute with West Ham. Yeah. Two defeats to talk about, but two different performances. Let's start with a City one. What were your thoughts on this one? I mean, a, a lot of the reactions, I mean, because we, we said last week and when the game was originally meant to happen, we mm. previewed it twice, didn't we? And we, we all said, oh, we're dreading it. It's going to be 6-0, 7-0. You know, we can't see us getting anything out of it. And, you know, I think City had like 19 attempts on goal in the first half alone. And it was a bit that only went in 1-0 up. And it was like, well, a lot of people after the game had criticised the performance. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with the performance as such. You know, the fact that we've kept City to just the two goals 
in 90 minutes is pretty good going. But for me, it was the mentality that was the issue. The performance weren't, you know, it wasn't the best. Mm. But we limited them to two goals. It was just, fans just wanted us to potentially attack a little bit more like we did in the Liverpool game, which we'll get onto. But it was more like, you know, we'll just let City have the ball, won't really press them, let them come on to us and just defend for our last 90 minutes. And we did that. And I thought we defended pretty well. To concede from a, a set piece and then a goal from an overlap where I don't think anyone expected De Bruyne to come from out of nowhere and just mm. shoot near past. I mean, like Fabianski like, thought it was going to happen. So it, it, it wasn't as bad as we all expected. And I think, you know, we took a lot of positives out of that performance and then took that into the Liverpool game. Yeah, definitely took that into the Liverpool game. You mentioned the word mentality there. What was it that... This a big a... team mentality. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I was waiting for you to say I won't address it. What was it then that, that disappointed you in the mentality in that City game? Because we did see fight and desire last night up at Anfield, but yeah. it wasn't replicated at the Etihad. Well, it was, it was the way we set up. You know, it was five at the back... Uh, Antonio up front and at times it was Snodgrass was up front as well and it was it just seemed a little bit disjointed we were trying just basically I think we just set up just to soak the pressure uh, and you know just try and nullify City's attack a, a, as best we could without really trying to attack them um, you know I think we had a couple of forays forward in the second half but by then the game's done you know when you're 2-0 down away at City you, you know you're not getting back into the game um, so I think mainly it was just we didn't go go into that game going right. Let's try and nick something. And you know we said, but you know with their Champions League band, they you know we didn't know what City were going to was going to turn up, but they were vulnerable. Mm. Um, if we'd have gone there like we did with the same mentality as we did at Liverpool at Anfield, potentially we could have you know caught them off guard a little bit, maybe attacked them a little bit, uh, and you know sprung a surprise on them. But we didn't. We didn't try and exploit that potential vulnerability. And, you know, it cost us in the end. Yeah, it, it certainly did, obviously. Uh, not to be for West Ham up at the Etihad. Let's talk about last night. We have to uh, yeah. mention that one because this was a different performance. I know now you've had you've had a, just under 24 hours to fully assess it now. And maybe your opinion's changed. But, James, can we start with a positive? What have you taken from last night, if anything, that maybe there is some fight being showed and maybe this does give us a little bit of a platform uh, to work with going forward? You have to be 100% positive about it. I know we didn't come away with anything. We deserve to come away with something. Um, you know, when you're 2-1 up at Anfield, I, mean, not, I think it's just us and Everton have scored two goals at Anfield this season, two or more. Um, so, OK, we lost the game. Liverpool were always going to attack us the moment they went behind. Uh, even when we got level straight away, it was like, you know, this isn't going to stay 1-0. It ain't going to stay 2-1 either. So it was always like, even when we were 2-1 up, we were like, could we do it? But we're probably going to draw here. But we lost and we went in that game thinking we were going to get battered and we didn't. We got, gave a great show of ourselves. Every single player on that pitch for West Ham United like, basically gave everything. And that's all us fans want. That's mm. all we've asked for all season long. The frustrating thing about it, while we can take a lot of positives, is that they proved last night that they can do it, that they can compete with the very best in the league when they want to. The fact is that they haven't done it. And that whether that's Pellegrini or, or Moyes and the way we set up, obviously the, the way he set up against City was different. Um, it's got, there's got to be some sort of consistency. Otherwise, we, you know, we're, we're going to go down. 
Um, and it's just frustrating that you put in that performance at Anfield against the best team in the country, you know, best team in Europe. But what, current, Pro- world champions. current world champions. <laughs> yeah. and, um, but then, you know, you can't do the same thing at Brighton at home or Palace at home or... Or whatever, and that's the frustrating thing about being a West Ham fan at the moment. Well, this is it because Johnny Burrow on Love Sport Drive every day three to seven, he said, he said, I'm worried. He said because I don't want to see typical West Ham. Good last night, could have got something out of the game, and then non-existent on the weekend to Southampton. Is that worried? I know James, you, you're always uh, chirping, you try <laughs> to see the, the positive and the yeah, funny side yeah. of it, and you go, oh, typical West Ham. But I know we're going to look towards the game, but before we concentrate on Liverpool a little bit more, is there a worry that you go, we won't see that now once again, we'll go back to the maybe the City performance rather than the one we saw last night at Anfield? I think so. Uh, I mean, there's always that doubt in your mind with West Ham. You know, it happens every single season. Mm. It doesn't matter whether we're having a good season or a bad season. You know, there's always that, that time and at some point in the campaign where, you know, we'll have a really, really good, good game against a, a big club whether we beat them or, or put on a good performance and still lose. And then you follow it up against a, a so-called lesser side and the performance isn't anywhere near as good. And you think, well, why why is there no consistency in terms of your performances? And all the players have come out, you know, Mark Noble's come out and said, you know, I've told the players that that's what we want, that's the level we need to be at. For now, I said, you know, the fans are great. You know, I'm so glad I could give that moment to the fans. Why is it just that game that they've decided to do that? I know Mark Noble's been banging on about it all season, but why is it just now that they've decided to do it? Um, and there is that worry that you know they'll go into that game going right, okay, well we've cracked the system. Now we're only playing Southampton at home, and you know it's going to be a walk in the park. That's my worry. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, for the first time, I actually don't know what West Ham's going to turn up at the weekend. For the first time. Well, because <laughs> this season, because normally you just yeah. expects West Ham to turn up and roll over, particularly this season. You know, it's been been an awful season for us mm. after what had been a really good start. So every week we've gone, you know, you know we should win this weekend, but we probably won't because it's been rubbish. Now, I've got no idea what, what to expect. I know, I just hopefully, because you say we don't want them to be complacent, surely the West Ham, the position they're in and the form they're in, they won't go, yeah, Southampton will be easy. David Moyes surely won't allow them, you know, we've got Nolan back on the staff. They won't be allowed to think like that. I also want to talk about Fabianski because he was doing his best Roberto impression last <laughs> night. We was waiting for him to come back, James. We know how much of a miss he was. I know this was uncharacteristic uh, of him and, and these things do happen, but for those two goals, both to come in one game, and for he is Mister Reliable. What did you make of that? He don't make many mistakes. He don't, does he? You know, he's I can a, count on one hand mm. how many mistakes he's made over the last what, eighteen months since he since he's been at the club two mm. years. Um, player of the season, I mean, player of the, player yeah. of the year last year, uh, and we we definitely missed him this year. It's just unfortunate that he's made that mistake or two mistakes. I think you know, one absolute howler for Salah's goal. Uh, the first one, you know, perhaps he should have had a stronger round on it. Yeah, the second one was... The second one was just, you know, just no excuse for it, really. Um, but it's not like Roberto, where he was making every week. You know, that that's, you know, that's a complete anomaly for me. He won't make another one again. Um, and it's just frustrating. You can't have a go at him because he's been our best player for two years. Um, so, yeah, it's frustrating that it's, it, our, our best player's made, a, a, you know, a, a mistake that's cost us points at Anfield when we need them most, desperately need them most. But you can't have a go he's at He's probably him. saved points as well. Swings and I, mean, I mean, that's exactly yeah. it. I mean, if anything, he's the reason why, you know, why we finished 10th and not 15th last year. Mm. Um, so it, it is what it is. You know, we can't, we can't have a pop at him. 
Can't have a pop at him, Fabianski. Not doing the business last night. We have had a call into the studio. We always want to hear from you Hammers fans. 0208 70 20 558. This time from Adam from Essex. Adam, not to be on these two results, but obviously much more heart in the performance last night. What did you make of it? Yeah, I thought they played really well, boys. I mean, you can tell that there was a slight difference in the atmosphere of, uh, between Man City games and Liverpool game, but I think um, Liverpool were probably more defensively vulnerable, so it allowed Antonio to like shift on instead of shifting on to Van Dijk, he shifted on to Gomez, who's the weaker link of the two, and it kind of opened up some spaces for us. And it's actually quite nice to see some tactical now, but. <laughs> David Moyes, he's actually thinking about how the team are going to play. So, uh, I, say, I don't know why you're worried, James, on Saturday. I mean, I think, you know, it's a six-pointer, it's up for grabs, and, you know, we've got, to, we've got to be up for it. And I think the fans and on Saturday will be bang up for it, knowing the importance of the game against a team that's probably around the same position as us. Now, I know they're, they're about 12th in the league at the moment, but they could easily be sucked in um, after a poor couple of results. So, I say, have some faith, James. You know that hashtag the lead, which <laughs> never happened. I'm trying, mate. Adam, you said the fans are going to be up for it. I think what James is worried for, he said, you know, we don't know what West Ham are going to see. Are the players going to be up for it? Are they going to show the same fight and desire that they did last night? I think they will. From all the press conferences and the post-match interviews David Moyes has done, I think he's installed, you know, a bit of realism at the fact that we're in a relegation fight. We're not going to be, you know, Europe's top two teams in Man City and Liverpool. And to only have a minus three goal deficit, I know it sounds really negative, but realistically, we've got the probably, apart from Brighton, we've got the best goal difference in that mm. relegation fight. So, you know, we're, we're already ahead there in, in, the, in the pegging. Um, but I think the players will, you know, they'll go, right, you know, we've got a good set of fixtures coming up um, and they'll be... They'll, more up for it than what they would do with the Liverpool Man City game. Now we've got Southampton next and then we've got, I think it's Arsenal, Arsenal, and then you look at the rest of the fixtures, now there's four winnable games in, in, the, in the 11 games we've got remaining and I actually, actually think we've got a really good chance, you know, like when you compare it to Aston Villa's um, fixtures and Watford's fixtures and pretty much Norwich's fixtures, they've not really got a run in them, they're, they're kind of they're kind of broken up. You know, they're either playing Southampton one week and then they're playing Chelsea and Arsenal the next, and then they've got someone like Newcastle and then they've got Liverpool and Man City. So, yeah, I don't think they've got a consistent level of games there where they're going to get themselves out of it. Whereas we have, you know, those teams have had their little bounce and we haven't. And I think we're due it. We're due it in the next few fixtures. Adam, just just going back to some, I make you completely right. Um... But going back to the, the some of the individual performances at Anfield, uh, obviously the standout one was Jeremy Ngakia. We haven't spoken about him yet on the show tonight, but it's he's had two first-team appearances, both against Liverpool, literally thrown into the deep end um, both times. And particularly at Anfield, I thought he was fantastic. And the way I see this at the moment is that you've got uh, a raw, you know, raw talent uh, completely inexperienced, but eager to impress, eager to you know make his mark on that team, you know keep that position. Do you think that a player like that, having a player like that in the team at the moment, it could work in our favour? In that you know he's arguably got nothing to lose, really, is he? 
uh, and put in a performance yeah, I mean, like that, you know, he could really, you know, he could really, you know, spur the team on. I mean, when you bring up um, youth academy players, like, you know, we look at Declan Rice a few years ago, they, they're just fearless. And when you've got that sort of player plan for them, it, it does kind of rub off on the on the more experienced sort of players. You know, it's like, well, I remember when I was a youngster and played with no fear. And I think having that sort of balance of youth players and experience will, will do well. I mean, Ngaki has done, you know, tremendous, especially making his first two starts against you know, potential, you know, Premier League winners there. Um, but I'd like to see more of it, you know. I'd like to see more of the Youth Academy come up. And, you know, we've got Ben Johnson, and he made his debut against Man City last year, and he looks really good. Um, I think our academy level needs to be given more opportunities and stop playing people like Masuaku, who's just not interested. Mm. I, want to see, I want to see more of the youth players. And mm. you talk about experience. These boys are playing Premier League two standard football against players their own age group, and people that and the players in those age groups are getting chances at the clubs that they're at. You know, you look at uh, Connolly at Brighton. You know, you look at the Chelsea team. The Chelsea team, they're you know a few you know, a few spells away on loan, but they're back together as a unit, and they're in the top five of the Premier League. You know, just about, but they're doing tremendously well despite the fact that they've got no experience as mm. you know as senior level football but I think we need to start turning towards our youth players a bit more but on the other hand I do remember a certain Glenn Johnson making um, a debut in a relegation fight and that didn't particularly go down too well um, well it did for him because he ended up going to Chelsea for 6 million but um, yeah it, 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 you know, it's, it's both sides of the spectrum I think with youth players but I'd, I'd be more favourable in playing more youth because I'd like to see yeah, absolutely, Adam. We really appreciate you giving us a call into the studio tonight, saying the youth should get a chance. Adam from Essex there. And remember, you can call and have your hammer say as well, 0208 70 20 558. We're going to carry on dissecting the Liverpool Man City games, and we maybe, we might even be joined by a special man himself, Will Pugh. Love Sports. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sports Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. Joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, James Jones, but not Will Pugh. He just couldn't make it again. I mean, I mean, his attendance record is absolutely shocking. But me and James still here fighting the calls. Win, lose or draw, we we're here to talk about it through thick and thin. The Man City defeat, the Liverpool defeat and the huge game against Southampton on the weekend. And you can have your say. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us over. 208 70 20 558. I am kidding, of course, because we are missing Will, but he has joined us tonight. Will, obviously, I know you better than that. I know you're not describing because of those defeats, but on those games, what were you <laughs> making of it? And Fabianski doing his best Roberto impression? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm glad to hear a little bit of uh, absolutely no sympathy for my plight, as always, Charlie. But um, I've, I thought the yeah, I, I like what David Moyes said after the game. In the end, to be honest, when when he we come out after, so I was expecting a bit more, you know, of the usual patter we hear. Ah, oh, I'm really pleased with the players. The players are excellent. Blah blah blah. But I quite liked what he said when he said, "Well, we didn't get any points out of the game. I was disappointed. We got in a position that we were, um, that we we couldn't come away with, with even a point." And when asked about Fabianski, he sort of. Rather than shirk that one, which I thought he might, he, he turned around and said, you know, um, 
Uh, he has been good for us in the past, so I'm not going to go in on too heavily. But in the situation we're in, we need everyone to be in the best form they can be um, and not to make an individual mistake. So I think Fabianski's looked a shadow of the man he used to be since he's come back from the injury. And I, I sort of the, my immediate thoughts were, if this was Roberto, who'd been on the, the form Fabianski's been in since he came back, he'd be getting absolutely pelters. Um, and yeah, I think you know everyone sort of raving that the Sky Sports coverage of Liverpool after the game was the usual um, tragic Liverpool loving. But from from where I was sitting, I thought, well, you know, they haven't done anything that good there. If if those two shots are against anyone else, or Bynaldum's header and Salah's shot in the second half are against any other two goalkeepers in the league, then they lose the game two one. Well, I'm not surprised you've taken this stance, mate. Uh, always, <laughs> no a neg- one is. always a negative view always a negative view but for me there's two players that um, deserve a little bit more stick that haven't had the stick and that's for me that's Anderson and Haller I thought Anderson mm. was, was completely ineffective um, did, lazy did, and then Haller comes on said earlier in the show that every single West Ham player gave their all last night didn't you I did actually yeah <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I, was so, listening, I, I was so surprised that I was I was you know, actually saying something positive that I forgot to say that Anderson and Haller for me were, you know, they've got to do more for, for what is essentially £80 million worth of players. They've got mm. to be doing better for me. Will, can I ask yeah. you and James a question then? Because obviously, not always the best place to be after a result uh, like last night, but checking social media, a lot of fans split to me, it seems, on Declan Rice. Maybe that was opposing uh, fans as well, giving Declan Rice a little bit of stick, but saying he's overrated, he's bang average. I know it was his fault that led to the Mane goal, the, which what turned out to be the winner, but where do you and James stand on all this? Well, I think it's ridiculous. Well, I, I don't really know. I, I didn't see too much of bashing him, to be honest. I did think it was a dodgy clearance for the Mane goal. That was right. Um, but, you know, the, the deflection's pretty fortunate. Fabianski rushes out to shut it down when he probably didn't have to from such a tight angle. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. But then after the Man City game, he, everyone was sort of singing his, his praises and raving about how a cut above the rest of the West Ham squad he is. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't see too much of it last night. It was a dodgy clearance, but like I've said, all season, even when he was our standout player early on in the year, he's still a young lad. And there's, like James has just alluded to, Anderson and Haller then, there's people who are far more experienced and far more well-paid in the team who I think um, more of the burden on um, West Ham, of West Ham's success should be falling on their shoulders. Well, where do you where do you stand with Fornells? I mean, a lot's been made of David Moyes' treatment of Fornells over the last, say, two months. Where you know Lanzini's been preferred over him, despite Lanzini being out of sorts, um, and then obviously he was completely left out of the squad for the City game for for unknown reasons. But then he's come off the bench and and put us ahead at Anfield. What are your thoughts on on sort of where you know what for where Fornells stands in this in this team moving forward? Yeah, I think he's a strange one, isn't it? Because where you've got, where Lanzini's, obviously he was there under Moyes before. I remember when Moyes got reappointed this time and Mark Noble gave an interview saying, you know, how all the boys really worked well under him. And he listed a few names um, uh, of, of players who really enjoyed working under Moyes last time. I think Ogbonna, Noble and Manuel Lanzini were one of them. So I think he's a bit of a favourite of David Moyes, and he's a difficult one because uh, we, we all saw the YouTube videos of Fornells looking good in La Liga, didn't we? But mm. when he came over, he, he hardly set the set the Premier League on fire, did he? And lots of foreigners do that, so I think it's right that he got a bit of time. 
uh, I, I would imagine there's more to it with him being left off the bench for the for the City game because you you wouldn't, would you? It's hardly like our bench is flowing with talent. You don't know if there's something going on on the training ground. I haven't heard anything um, or read anything to suggest that. But, you know, there are these things sometimes where managers just need to teach a player a lesson, don't they? Um, because why Why would you? Why would you leave him out? He wouldn't be the one you'd leave mm. out, really, would you? Yeah, and you... That's all he can do, isn't it? What he done last night, come yeah. off the bench, put the ball in the net and give the manager a selection problem. Yeah, and we know, of obviously, there's been more protests, uh, certain banners last night at the game. But you boys did have a tweet into the studio when you uh, uh, put up your show tweet earlier. One saying about a certain Daily Mail article from five years ago, 2015, that said from David Gold, there is no reason why West Ham can't win the Premier League and the Champions League in the next five years. And five years later, Will, here we are. What, what, what did you make to that tweet into you boys? Yeah, I, d- I did see that earlier on. I've, I think it just goes on. It just goes on the pile with the rest of the stuff. To be honest, mate, doesn't it? I mean, we we heard a lot of various different sound sound bites at the time that that a lot of our fans like to like to pick up on and and sort of used to to laugh at or cry at the um the, the the eventual path since all those statements came out i think they're just one on the pile to be honest i didn't um i was i was actually caught on uh i only had listened to the first 10 minutes on the radio just as i was heading in to watch it on telly last night so i actually missed a lot of the like the visuals of the um of the protests and all that did you did you get i've seen some stuff on twitter recently josie but what was the coverage like the coverage was was pretty strong, um, you know. You know, do the, the the usual. You never walk alone scenes on on TV, but it all cut to the West Ham fans chucking black, you know, black balloons, black balloons, and holding up their sort of anti-board banners and anti-Karen Brady yeah. banners and stuff like it, that. Banners: Karen Brady, you're fired. Sullivan, this charmless man, run like a circus, owned by clans. State of the retractable promises, and it was all over the TV. Yeah, everywhere, um, everyone. I mean, I, I watched it in in my local pub, and there was a couple of couple of Liverpool fans in there that were like, "Hang, hang on, mate, what, what's, what's this all about? What's that all about? Mm. Like, why are they doing that?" Mm. And you, you you talk to them about it, and they're like, "Oh, okay, fair enough. You know, crack on." Um, so it was, it was very well documented on TV, mate. Yeah, it was. I say it was. The, they mentioned it on on Five Live on the way in, but um, I think we well, expect to see the same again before Southampton on Saturday, I believe, as well. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, uh, as we understand it, there's going to be protests like uh, pretty much very similar. You know, hopefully, a lot more fans turn up, like there's the Everton game outside the ground before. And then there'll probably be some balloons probably inside the ground as well. Yeah, well, we're going to look towards that Southampton game. But don't you worry, Will, because we're going to be giving you a callback for the mystery players quiz. We would never, ever do it without you, especially now you're back in the running. So don't you be getting on Google and doing some last-minute research. But Will Pugh <laughs> will be joining us uh, in a little bit uh, to talk and do the West Ham mystery players quiz. But Jason Dodd, Southampton legend, is joining us to give us a preview of the game on the weekend. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. Joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, James Jones, talking about those Man City and Liverpool games, but the game they really care about, it is the monster of a game. It is Southampton on the weekend, and to tell us all about it is Southampton legend Jason Dodd. Jason, a real pleasure to get you on the show once more. Always a delight to hear from you. Big game uh, for both teams this weekend, obviously more so West Ham. What uh, what are Southampton thinking about this contest, though, Jason? Thing is, it sounds a silly thing to say. Probably six eight weeks ago, so 
Southampton were probably in the same position that obviously West Ham are at the moment. They were struggling. <clears throat> they couldn't buy a win. And then all of a sudden, they just gone on a more or less a 10-game run where they picked up five, six, seven wins. And it's just a totally different ball game now. The silly thing to say is now they're looking ahead of themselves to see if they can sneak into that European competition rather than looking over their shoulder that they were doing two months ago. Jason, it was before Christmas. I think it was only a couple of months into the season where you know that that awful uh, defeat to Leicester, the nine-nil home defeat, and a lot of people looked at Southampton then and just went, "Well, you know, they're going to struggle here. To bounce back from a defeat like that is going to be pretty difficult." What's Hasenhutl done to to turn it around at Southampton? Because that is that is some job to to get your players back up and running after a defeat like that. Well, the good thing is there was a bit of a break. So I think the manager went back to Austria and had a real think about, OK, how are we going to go about this now? Do you know the one thing for me? He's consistently picked the same team. So even though you're going to get one or two changes uh, with injury, it's more or less the same back four, uh, the midfield three, the front three. Obviously, he's given um, the centre forward, Danny, game time. He's scoring goals. They're putting the ball in the box. Earlier in the season, said they were a, a lot of possession-based football, which is wonderful, but it's gone backwards and sideways. Now they're a little bit more direct. They're getting balls into the box. And at the end of the day, they're scoring goals. If you're not scoring goals, you're not going to win the games. And I think that's been the massive turnaround. Players that were maybe struggling, Nathan Redmond, um, James Ward-Price, all of a sudden now they're turning it on. And Southampton look a totally different team. What's the what's the feeling about the business done in, in in January? I mean, a lot of it kind of went under the radar a little bit. Uh, do you feel that you know some of the you know some a bit of shrewd business in, in in January may have sort of just helped to sort of keep them going over that line, sort of rather than sort of being sucked back into uh, the relegation battle like a lot of teams will do if they sort of don't do a lot of business in January. Do you know what it was? I've got to be honest. Players suddenly thought, "Hold on a minute." Yeah, I mean, we put ourselves in this position. Um, there's only us that can get out of it. Yeah, it's okay about adding some players in there. But the problem is, much like West Ham at the moment, you look at the squad and you look at Southampton squad and you're thinking, this is the best squad they've had for many a year. Mm. But the players just were not performing. We can't beat around the bush here and say that the performances were really good. They were okay. But again, they, they weren't good enough. And I think the manager came back. Hopefully the players had a little heart-to-heart as well and got a few things out in the open because they were more or less where West Ham are at the moment. They were struggling. Most of the supporters were worried about what was going to happen. But you've got to give credit when credit's due. The players have dug in. The managers stuck to a system over a period of games and they've reaped the benefits. And they've since that 9-0 defeat, I think they've won eight, drew three, lost two. So it tells you the turnaround mm. that can happen at any club. Jason, obviously, if for a case in, in Southampton now, they are definitely looking up rather than Dan. But if this goes West Ham's way on the weekend, is there a case that Southampton, they're still not out of the woods yet? You know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but they're not completely safe. Yeah, well, this will, I mean, this will, will be their prep leading up to the game. They know if they win this game, then realistically, they are going to be safe. That's the, that's the bottom line. So players aren't silly. They'd be talking about it as well. The management, this would how they would go about it. Because if you think about it, everyone knows, even though the performance against Liverpool last night was very good, 
you can't keep saying the performances are good if you're not picking up results. Mm. So Southampton know they're not going to go into this game thinking, oh, it's West Ham, the Daniel at the bottom, it's going to be an easier game. Hopefully they're going to have the mindset of, look, if we win this game, it more or less makes it a lot more difficult for the Hammers to get and stay in the Premier League. Yeah, Jason, it's a massive game on the weekend. What is your score prediction then? Well, no, because I'm going to upset you lot, aren't I? Yeah, we, so, we don't mind. We don't mind. <laughs> get it every week, Jason. Yeah, I mean, well, the good thing... See, the one good thing for the West Ham is Southampton's home form is really poor. Um, they picked up the least amount of points in the Premier League. So that's one thing that obviously the Hammers are probably be thinking about. Um, but if I'm honest, I would probably go with a 2-1 Southampton. 2-1 Southampton. We thought you was going to go different there, talking at a home form, Jason. <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on. We know you're busy tonight as well. Jason Dodd there, Saints legend, coming on to say, maybe, James, could West Ham do what Southampton done, completely go away from it? Surely they'll take heart in the turnaround that Southampton had. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't know what it's like to, to be a professional footballer in that environment where you might be looking at other teams in the league mm. that you're in and going, well, if, if they if they can do it, then and surely we can do it. And I mean, as I said to Jason, you know, to to bounce back from losing nine nil at home um, is you were right though because I thought dead and buried. Yeah, I mean, I thought yeah, that, I mean, they're going to yeah. have to do something mental here to to get out of this, and they have done. And Jason's right, you know, one more win and you think, well, they're probably safe mm. given the amount of points it's probably going to take to stay up this year. It's not going to be a lot. Um, but yeah, no magical 40, po- 40 I, point won't be. I think it'll be probably about 35, 34, 35 this year, I think. Um, which is pretty scary given that we're only on like 24 at the moment. Well, I was going to say, uh, you need, what, 10 um, points, it's, it's, 11 I mean, points. It, it might even be 30. I, thought, I mean, the, the way some of the teams are playing down there, not really picking up many points. Because another team that had a good step was Watford as well, because they, for me, them in Southampton at the start, I thought, oh, these two, that, that, that's gone. Just well, shows what, you. Watford were definitely dead and buried, weren't they? 100%. I think they, 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 won, they, they won their first game in November um, and then didn't win again until the end of December. Oh, no, January, I think. And then, obviously, Pearson comes in and then sort of goes... I think they went eight games unbeaten. But now they haven't won in seven. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, Watford have still got it all to do as well. But uh, it's, it's, it's not going to take many points at all. The thing is, at the minute, no one's really taking the fight by the scruff of the neck. You know, we're seeing teams game in hand, if you can call it that little bit of an advantage. You go, go, mm, favourable schedule. Oh, they'll do something. Every fan show that I do, whether it's <laughs> do them all at the bottom, Bournemouth, West Ham, Aston Villa. Last night, doing the Villa fan show, they're going, praying West Ham don't win. So everyone's looking at their opponents rather than what their own team's doing, James. Well, I mean, that that's, that's the the nature of the beast. That's the nature of being in a relegation battle yeah. amongst six other clubs. Um, what is interesting is that West Ham's last game of the season, on the last weekend of the season, is Villa at home. That and, is massive. And it, it, I mean, I'm expecting it to go down to the wire. And if those two clubs are, are, are battling over that last relegation spot, which I think might, might happen, it's going to be winner takes all. And... It kind of goes back to the goal difference thing because, you know, not being spanked by City and Liverpool in the space of, what, six days um, and only sort of losing minus three could could keep us up. And it sounds crazy, but it could. It sounds negative and, you know, you don't want to be in that position where you're going, oh, I'm, I'm glad we only lost three goals over two games in, instead of eight. Um, but that was the reality of it. You're playing two of the best teams in the country and you've only managed to come out with... A, minus three worse than your goal difference and, and then 
you know you're playing a lot of relegation rivals in the running. You know, it, it could it could work in our favour. You singled out uh, Sebastian Haller as someone who you weren't that impressed with in those last couple of games. But you've always stated that he hasn't got the service. We're not playing the system for him. Which one do you believe now? Because you believe in that maybe this was the wrong signing or you, he still hasn't got the service that, you know, he, he, he hasn't been able to show his true potential, James? No, I think, I think that there's two sides to it. There's two sides to it. We signed him on the back of him scoring a load of goals with a strike partner in the Bundesliga. Uh, I don't think there was a great... I'd, I'd be very surprised if there was a great mm. deal of thought into how he would fit in the team. Uh, when we signed him, it was just like, we need a striker... He's available. We've missed out on Maxi Gomez, so let's just go for this guy instead. Uh, and at the time, we were like, brilliant, this guy's scored goals. Like, let's get him in, and we were happy about it. But we has, he hasn't been played in a system that works. He hasn't played with a strike partner. More often than not, he's been left up, up top on his own, looking lost. That's not how he's got to where he is in the game today. He's always played with a strike partner. He's always been involved. He's always played in a very attacking team. So it's been, it must be very difficult for him to suddenly go into lone striker, wait for balls to come to him. So he's probably not used to being the guy to track back a little bit, you know, fight for the ball, come deep, show for it a little bit. Um, and so he's struggling. He's struggling. And, you know, when I say that, you know, he, he's been underperforming, you know, he didn't put any effort in, it, I suppose it's not so much a personal attack on him. It's just this is the situation we're in and we've got players like Haller at the club that potentially shouldn't be at the club because he, was, he wasn't he was signed with any thought and now we've been stuck with a player that doesn't fit into the system we want to play uh, and you know that's not so much Haller's fault and more more the club's fault Yeah well the club at fault for that one and I know you actually wanted to say a little bit more on that Daily Mail article yeah. is, is that right James? Yeah I mean Classic article It's classic it's classic but I don't blame... Five years ago, I don't blame the club for it. When it was a year before we moved into the new stadium and there was a little bit of hype around it. And I think, you know, I don't blame David Gold for coming out and saying it. I mean, What, look, we'd win the Champions League in five well, years? Well, I mean, I mean, look at look at Leicester's chairman. When he bought the club, he went, within five years, we'll be in the Champions League. Within five years, they actually won the Premier League and the Champions League. Mm. Uh, yeah, they were in the Champions League. But there's ways of making promises and then, and then trying to follow through with them. What Leicester did was the way to do it was to actually think methodically about it make the right signings bring in a director of football who is to pick the manager as well and then, and, and do it that way our board just went oh yeah we might win the Premier League in, in five years there's no reason why we can't do it uh, anyway who's available a little uh, bit of wishful oh, thinking oh yeah uh, any agents want to throw some players at us sort of thing and it, it just it wasn't it, there was no method or, or thought behind it whereas Leicester did it properly and actually laid out their plan and yeah, they pulled it off amazingly. Whereas we had no chance of pulling it off. And and what did you make of the protests? Because I know you've obviously spoke strongly on them uh, in the past. What are you making of these protests at the minute? Are they effective? Um, I think they can be effective just as long as they they remain um, peaceful. And I think so far the fans have done a great job in ensuring that they've they've been that way. Uh, a lot was made of the, the protest a couple of years ago with the whole the Burnley, you know, pitch invaders and stuff like that. And less said about that, the better. But this this time around, it seems there's a little, been a little bit more thought behind it, a little bit more like you know we we've, we've got a, a job to do, and that is to 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 make the owners aware that we're not happy about the way the football clubs run, and whether that's protests outside the ground before home games, whether that's 
balloons to signify the death of the football club, whether that's banners to you know to to have a go at the owners. As long as it's peaceful and it's done in the right way, which it has done so far, and all credit to the fans involved that you know that have been involved that have done that. Um, the moment we start crossing that line, that's when it doesn't have an effect. The more we do this, the more it gets media coverage. It's great the sky cameras are on it at Anfield. The more coverage, the better. But the moment it goes sour, like the Burnley ones a couple of years mm. ago, that's when it works against us. So we've got to remain peaceful, but effective. And so far, so good. Are we on the verge of it maybe turning a, li- a little bit sour? Because there is uh, another protest planned uh, before the Southampton game this weekend. I don't think so. I think the fans have realised the, the the negative press that we got on the back of those protests two years ago um, and how ineffective it was. Um I think I think the fan the fans don't want want any you know want it, don't want it to be you know violent or disruptive or, mm. or anything like that or negative. They want a positive outcome and and the out, positive outcome is for the you know the owners to put the club up for sale. That's what that's you know, essentially the end goal for the fans. Um, or if that's not going to happen, then change the way that they run the football club. Um, and so, and I don't I don't think it will be negative. I don't think there's any any risk of that happening now because you know we all want the same thing we're all putting in the right direction now well it is Southampton on the weekend James what is your score prediction because this is the one that matters so no sitting on a fence from you no Desmond what are you going for (laughs) Um, the last time Moyes was in charge um, oh here he goes we played Southampton at home and it was arguably as big as this one in terms of we desperately needed to win a football match and we played Southampton and we won 3-0 um, so you're going to two. So <laughs> I, I'm going to go for another three nil win. Oh, I love it! Three-nil James win. is going for a three nil win. We'll get Will Pugh's actual prediction because Will is rejoining us. You know why? It's why you tune in. It is time for a quiz. The West Ham mystery players rogue players quiz is up next. Love Sports. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, James Jones. And Will Pugh, who rejoins us now, he has rejoined us because it is the time of the show where James and Will go to head the heavyweight clash because this is one that matters. It is the West Ham Mystery Plus quiz. And Will, as you're back, can you announce those updated scores? Yeah, I can. I can. I can give you. I know it's nine eight on game weeks, Charlie, to James. Mm. So only a only a narrow one week lead in it for James. And I believe this is off the top of my head. So maybe an amendment to this, but I believe it's twenty six twenty four on points difference. Sounds about right. Yeah. I, I think it might be even twenty six twenty five. It's, it's you know twenty five or twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, we'll it could be. We'll, we'll have a review, but it's nine eight on game week. All right, that's really the one to match. And I've got to be honest, you answered really quick when I said updated scores, and you were worried of a phone delay. Sounds like excuses, but we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And if memory serves <laughs> me well, James Jones had to do this quiz on the phone, so it's a little bit. I think we, it, we, 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 well, Tom Edwards was there then, wasn't he? So I think we declared it a friendly. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing. I don't mind. Oh, the excuses are going in. Well, you know the drill. It is the West Ham Rogue Players Quiz. This is this week's edition. It is time to get it on. The drill is three West Ham players, five clues. The clues get progressively easier as we go on. As soon as you know it, 
get your answers in and you can play along as well tweet us at lovesport radio or call us 0208 70 20 558 slightly worried we may need a steward because will was at home who knows what devices he has in front of him but we trust him james I was I was just going to ask actually if Jonesy had his phone face up again with all the notes. No, just, just, uh, it's just your iPad, ain't it, James? Uh, it's, it's my laptop <laughs> and my phone, but I've, 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 everything's closed now. To just be keep honest, you happy, yeah, and to be honest, I've made James a copy anyway, so we both got the answers. <laughs> yeah, I'll read that the clues answer. anyway. Yeah, player number one, clue number one, played sixty-two games for West Ham. First player to score an own goal on his debut for West Ham was once the record fee paid for a transfer when Ian Pierce? That is incorrect. Loves a premature guess. <laughs> He's still got it, no delay. Was once the record fee paid for a transfer when he signed. Represented France at every youth level. Mark Keller. That's incorrect. You've had that earlier this season. Shirt yeah, number twenty-three. Oh. David Bellion. That is incorrect. Own goal. I will give you a quick rundown of those clues. Player number one played sixty-two games for West Ham. First player to score an own goal on his debut for West Ham was once the record fee paid for a transfer when he signed. Is that club record fee? It's not going to be world record, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be Premier League record. It could... <laughs> Club record. Right, okay. Represented France at every youth level. Shirt number 23. Laurent Courtois? That is incorrect. Loves it. What are you making at home? Have you got the answer? Because the boys are struggling, even though Wolves had 17 guesses. <laughs> Do you want to bank it? Yeah, we'll bank it. All right. Okay, James has spoken in studio. Will, we're going to bank it. Player number two. Clue number one. Started career at Leighton Orient in 1989. Signed for West Ham in 1994 in a swap deal uh, involving Joey... Beauchamp? Yep. (laughs) I was just wanting to get the pronunciation right because as you're not here, Will, you, I would know you'd, you'd want your own stewards. <laughs> so you should get this one. Played only 14 games for West Ham. Oh, do you know what? This is such a big one as well. Was assistant manager to Martin Allen, uh, Martin Allen at various clubs. Central defender. No, I've had a mare on this. I'm not going to get this one. Will? Nah. Recap. Started career at Leighton Orient in 1989. Signed for West Ham 1994 in a swap deal involving Joey Buchamp. Played only 14 <laughs> games for West Ham. <laughs> Was assistant manager to Martin Allen at various different teams. Central defender. Blimey. Come on, guys. We're nah. struggling. These were supposed to get easier, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's what Reece said. Player number three. We're banking two players. What's going on this week, lads? Player number three, clue number one. Played over 200 games for three different Premier League teams. Scored his last West Ham goal in 2016. First West Ham goal was against Blackburn at home. Managed two teams in England. 
debut for Bebo, West Ham. Yeah? No. Debut for West Ham was against Wimbledon in 1999. Oh, wait, this was his last goal. Oh, Terry Sheringham. Incorrect. Because you're both struggling, clue number two is a little bit naughty. It's a little bit of a trick. What's clue number two? Scored his last West Ham goal in 2016. Played over 200 games, three different Premier League teams. First West Ham yeah. goal was against Blackburn at home. Managed two teams in pa England. Paolo Di Canio? That is correct. And he scored in the 2016. Was that Mark Noble, the testimonial? That is absolutely I'm that. correct. I'm not having that. Yeah. No, 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 Google, no, no, Google. No, 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 well, no, no, well, no. Uh, Will, <laughs> it is 1-0. Oh, did you like that clue? A clue that you got, <laughs> but it is 1-0. So you only need one more, Will. Let's go back to player number one. Played 62 games for West Ham. First player to score an own goal on his debut for the club was once the record fee paid for a transfer when he signed. Represented France at every youth level. Shirt number 23. Oh. 23 is my lucky number. Well, it's not lucky <clears throat> in this sense, is it? Not, not this time. Not this time. You're both struggling. Sebastian, Sebastian Schemmel? No, he was 30, no. wasn't he? Oh. Oh, no. Where are you going? Throw out some guesses. You're both struggling. Got any more, got any more clues, Charlie? Mm, I'd have to get some. Let me get some up because you two are struggling. Uh, so he's... Record, record signing. Mm. We've never what? had anyone good enough to play for France. Bernard uh, Lamar. Only at youth level. Represented France at every youth level. Not Bernard Lamar. Nah. He's mm. still at the club. It's a Diop. That is correct, and it is 1-1. <laughs> Jesus. Well, this is all matters now, and we are oh, coming to the end of the show because it. this is massive because the current scores are 1-1. This is the longest edition of Rogue Players <laughs> Quiz. We started back in 2017, but this person's career, player number two, started their career at uh, Leighton Orient 1989. Signed for West Ham in 1994 in a swap deal involving Joey. I'm just going to say Joey now because James laughed when I said it last time. Played 14 games for West Ham. Was assistant manager to Martin Allen, someone we've had on this show at various clubs. Central defender. I'm going to give you a clue. Do you want an extra clue? Go on then. Go. Initials. Oh. A-W. Adrian Whitbread. And that is tonight's winner, Will Pugh, on the phone, 2-1, which means on game weeks, William Pugh, it is 9-9. James, triple times the triple threat at a three-game lead, but the scores, William, are tied at 9-9. 9 oh classic. Can you I believe love the it? Paolo oh, the well. Paolo De Canio one, I think that, that that's out of order because that's a, that's a that's a really bad clue from race. race <laughs> I like that a little race, bit, it, a little bit of a red herring. Yeah, a little bit wrong the, direction. I mean, I mean you can't if you start like involving testimonial goals and friendly goals, I mean, what's the point? James, don't be a sore <laughs> loser. Is 99. Will, just quickly before we lose you, score prediction for Saints. Um I think I, I still think they're a bigger threat than people are realising. I think we'll maybe nick a one-all, but I, if we lost by the odd goal, I wouldn't be surprised. Such, really, so really negative. glad they asked you. What a way to end the show. <laughs> will Pugh there telling us of his result. Always good to get Will on. Hopefully we'll see him back next week. James, but you are going with a win, and that's yeah. the note that us hammers should end on.
Yeah, 3-0 West Ham. It's going to be great. We're all going to have a great Saturday. <laughs> I um, can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing for it. Buzzing yeah. for it like I'm buzzing for the West Ham show next Tuesday at the same time, 7 to 8, every Tuesday on Love Sport Radio. But not only that, come on, you hammers against the Saints this weekend. We will see you then. This has been We Are West Ham on the West Ham Fan Show. James Jones and Will Pugh. See you next week. This is Love Sport. Sports Social Podcast Network.